0: Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow, is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, I am really excited about this week's episode because it is about step five in our sales process, which is the step of call to action. Now, each week that we've done this, I've talked about why I love that step so much, but this is one that everybody should be excited about because this is the step that inspires action from the customer that's going to result in your company making money. So just to recap, over the last four episodes, we've hit steps one through four. We're just going to do a very, very quick overview of them to prep us for step five, call to action okay so in the sales process step one is greeting right you want to greet the customer the right way build some initial rapport after that is step two which is understand their problem once you've understood the customers problem you move on to step three which is advise a solution now again that language is intentional I can't advise you a solution unless I understand you first so after we've advised a solution Last week's episode brought us up to making a plan, and what we do at that point is we make a three-step plan for the customer's success. So maybe what it is in this case of a fireplace would be step one, we're going to get you a written estimate. Step two, we'll come out to your house to measure everything and do a safety double check, and step three, we'll get that installed safely and on time. The steps are meant to show the customer what they need to do in order to have their problems solved. And it's really important that we lay those out clearly. So with all that said, that brings us to today, which is step five, call to action. This is when we get to ask for the money or Maybe it's not the money. Maybe it's whatever step one in the plan was. But with all that said, I can't wait to get into today's episode. I actually flew to Spokane for this specifically because it was so important that I talked to this guest in person. Now, in the past, every time I've been to Spokane, I've interviewed my friend Grant Falco, and that was not the case here. I actually interviewed his dad, Louis Falco, because Louis is someone I've known for the better part of, man. 10, 11 years. And seriously, he's someone whose career I have just admired watching what has happened in it and how he has been so fearless to make decisions, to call people to action and not look back. And I felt like if there's anybody that understands the step of calling someone to action, not being afraid of it, understanding it's the right move and just going for it, Louis Falco is the guy that I wanted to talk to. So I cannot wait for you to hear that conversation. It's going to come up in just a second. But before we get into it, there's something I got to say. So three days ago, I was in Arizona doing a little bit of speaking with Grant Falco. and We were talking about marketing, about social media, about leadership, and about sales. And I just couldn't believe the love that we were getting from people who were coming in to to see the content that we had and who had been talking about how they'd been using it to play for their sales teams and installers and other people in their company to help them just rally together around their business and try to move the needle ultimately. So it means the world that people all over are listening to this and this is something that's helping them out. So with all that said, we're going to talk about the call to action step in this conversation with Louie. And after that, I'm going to come back on and I'm going to talk in kind of detail about some things to be thinking about when you've brought the customer to the point of making the leap. How can you call them to action or ask for the money in a way that is ethical and honest, but also like really clear and powerful and just unashamed. So with all that said, we're going to jump into this conversation. It's with one of the legends of our industry, and you are going to get just a ton of value out of it. But after it's done, I'll jump back on and we'll talk specifically about the call to action step. Joining me from Spokane, Washington is the majority owner of Falco's along with the US sales manager for Sherwood Industries. I am joined by the one and only Louis Falco. Louis, how are you doing today? Thank you, Tim. That's nice. Doing good cool. Well, hey, you're somebody I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. And I know that you're going to bring a ton of value to the audience. But we've actually had your son on the podcast quite a bit. And talking to you, I think it's pretty clear where he got his skills from, right? (laughs) Um, Grant
1: is a great guy and and, uh, definitely knows how to run a business and do a great job at it. So it makes me very proud. And um, uh, I don't know if he got it all from me. I think he got it most from
0: his mom. Oh, uh, let's be honest. I think I think some of that comes from you. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Louis, this episode is all about the call to action step in our sales process. And honestly, I, I couldn't think of anyone better than you to have on the show. And as I was thinking about what season three was going to be about six months ago, I instantly thought about you and I'm really glad that we can make this happen. So you're someone who's been in sales for your whole life and I feel like has never been afraid to step up to the plate and call your customer to action. But you haven't always been in the fireplace business. Your calls to action started out in a totally different line of business, didn't it?
1: Yes, it was a family-owned nursery garden center. I worked potting up plants and and went up to being a salesperson at a very young age and uh, was able to figure out how to sell product and to sell a lot more product. And it was uh, funny, we started with uh, a product called Upstart. Yeah. And uh, we were able to put it by the counter but we always tried to see who could sell the most upstart. Well, I could win that every time because <laughs> I mentioned that the plant had to have this upstart for it to take on um, its first 30, 60 days of life. So it was very easy to to put a urgency
0: to buy the product for the safety of the plant. Okay, so you're in a nursery setting, you're selling a product called upstart. You know, give me the the details of how do you, call your customer to action or ask for the money in that specific situation?
1: Well, it's pretty simple. You know, they're they're throwing out $100, $200 for plant material. And all you need to say is, you know, for this plant material to make it and live, you really need to buy this product. I mean, it is great product. It is a vitamin B12. And it is something that will go systemic through the plant. But the bottom line is it makes it so that it doesn't burn. And it makes it attached to the ground uh, very, very fast. So I would say at that point, I'd say, you need this product for the plants and we have it on sale. Obviously it's on sale today, not tomorrow. Yeah, We'd always talk about, you know, it's on sale today, buy yep. two bottles and, and you get it for a certain amount of money. Sure. The price was.
0: And, and so when we, when we were talking offline a little bit, you talked about the philosophy behind your nursery sales and we'll talk about fireplaces in a second, but I feel like you had Three steps to being able to sell something—is that yeah, fair?
1: That that is fair. Obviously, you know, you want to have the customer trust. You want to be able to have the Falco name or the business name. Um, they they got to trust you, and you got to be honest with them always. You always have to sell the product, you know, to the best it is, and uh, you never go below that line. It's always earn their trust by proving yourself. Yeah. And then the second thing always is urgency to buy. I have always ran campaigns or any type of advertising. There's always an end date. You have to always give that consumer a end date where the sale ends, the price ends, the great value ends on this date. And I would always give that weekend. That's the last day. Then the last thing is the most important. You have to ask for the dollar. You have to get them out of the marketplace and you have to do it smoothly. Yeah. You know, you have to ask for it's on sale today. Do you want to put a deposit down? Yeah. Half down $500 down, whatever it is, get them out of the marketplace. Because if you don't, they end up walking down, going to the next horse shop. And then somebody asks them to put a deposit down and they, they And all
0: the work you've done educating them is now just going to someone else that does a third of the work and is able to collect the money.
1: Yep. So that, exactly right. That is the biggest thing is you you cannot let them leave. Uh, You have to give them that pitch. And if you don't, you're going to be sorry because somebody else that they hear, listen to a sales pitch on a hearth product, somebody's going to ask for that, that commitment.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, okay. I want to drill down on sense of urgency because it's a really powerful move to make, but it's one that I don't think many companies do i don't i mean maybe the really successful companies have this figured out, but for for my time in the industry, you know, I worked for businesses where the mentality was we tell customers no we we don't run sales same price as year round. You can come in now five years from now, same price, and we think that's doing a customer a favor, but it's actually not yes why why is it so important to create that sense of urgency? I think you you, you have to Your
1: customer is there. You only have them visit you one time. I mean, you have a chance right then and there to close that deal. To give them that, they have to feel value. They got to feel like it is a special time, special deal. And if if they don't have that, there is no urgency. Yeah, they they could keep coming back and have that same price. Don't let them feel that way. Well,
0: okay. So a couple years ago, I was given a presentation. I was talking about sales. And I was, I was teaching our sales process. And we actually got to this step, the call to action step. And as I'm talking, I had a guy raise his hand and he said, well, we pride ourselves on being a low pressure showroom. And I said, well, okay, I'll just be honest and tell you, I'm okay with the pressure getting turned up just a little bit. Now there's a way to do that that doesn't turn the customer off, but it's like, if your doctor is talking to you about blood pressure medication, he goes, hey, Tim, I got some blood pressure medication, but... It's 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 not urgent. I mean like if if you want to take it you can. If you don't want to take it, you don't, you don't have to. I mean, whoop, hey, whenever you get around to it. I mean, right. you just I'm I'm right here. You just come on back for the Are you ever going to like no, you need the doctor to give a sense of urgency. Hey Tim, you have high blood pressure and I want you to be around for your grandkids. I know it doesn't seem like this is a big deal, but you actually have to start taking this medication now. Yep. That will inspire me to do the right thing. It's not like it's unethical like you are calling them to action to do the right thing. And ultimately in, in this world, you know, we're selling fireplaces, not, not, you know, saving people's lives with, uh, with blood pressure medication. If they say no, it's totally their right. But as a salesperson, like how dare us waste their time to just like, let them live in indecision. Like better. They just say no and move on to something else. than you waste everybody's time.
1: Yes. And it's not like I'm, I am putting too much pressure on the consumer. I'm asking the customer you know, how I would want to be asked as a consumer, Sure. you know, so I want to treat them how I want to be treated. I don't want to, you know, put too much pressure, but if you don't ask, they could walk out the door and you have to get them out of the marketplace. That is a big
0: deal. And and if we think about any decision we make, especially buying a fireplace, it's, it's such a, it's a high dollar purchase. We get desensitized to what a big deal this is. And anytime you're buying an unfamiliar product that costs you a lot of money, there's some nervousness. And if you don't have a sense of urgency, a deadline, the price is going to change, the sale's over, the, the install is only good for you know this week, it's going to be six weeks out after that, whatever it is, if you don't have that sense of urgency, we'll choose indecision every time because it's the easier path that it's actually a service to us to show the sense of urgency and calls to action.
1: Yep. Well, and the other part that we would push is the urgency to get on our schedule, our installation schedule. You know, that is another thing that they don't think about. And so you want to tell them, Hey, we're three weeks out and next week you come in, we could be five weeks out. Yeah. So you need to get on the schedule again, urgency, that's what I'm after.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So okay, so you so we have your three steps that you talked about. We have to uh, build trust and, and show that we are someone that is looking out for them and, and they really trust us for their solutions. Step two is we have to create a sense of urgency and show them that there needs to be a decision made by this certain time. Correct. And then step three you talked about is ask for the money, get them off the market. We talked about this a little bit in a nursery setting with that upstart product. So Fast forward a few years, Falco's moves from a nursery business into a fireplace business. What did that look like for you in the early days of the fireplace business? How did you put those skills into action? It was the, the very first time I
1: did. It was selling Aladdin Valley products years ago at a fair. And it was my very first time in front of the public actually selling hearth. <laughs> didn't know nothing about it. And uh, the bottom line is at that time, I asked for a deposit. And uh, I had another person at that fair, same fair, that was selling the same product, and they weren't asking for any deposit. It was funny. Uh, at the end of the fair, we come to a, a table to sit down to find out who sold all of the stoves. Now,
0: because to back up, you were... In addition to selling against them, you were also buying from them, weren't you? That's correct. (laughs) I I was. So it sounds like they made a pretty good business move.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. I was definitely selling underneath them. But come to find out at that table, after 10 days of the fair, I'm the one that sold all of the stoves. I mean, I sold a high percentage of the stoves. And uh, I had all the money. They had no money on them. Wow. So they probably thought when they went home that night that they sold that stove oh, we had a great fair, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Bottom line, I got the sale because I got the money. Oh, man. It's a huge thing.
0: So I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but there's a great video of Jerry Jones, you know, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and he's talking to the team and he says, he says, in my time, you know, I've learned five rules of selling. Rule number one, always ask for the money. And I forgot the other four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the idea being... Ask for what you want. If you want the money, ask for the money. If you want to write an estimate, ask them if they can write an estimate. If you want to get out to their house, ask them for an appointment. We might think we're doing the customer a favor by not being overbearing. But the truth is, people don't walk into fireplace stores by accident. Your customer knows what you're after. I mean, they know you're trying to sell them a fireplace. And guess what? They came into your store because they want to buy a fireplace. That's right. And when we beat around the bush and we just maybe just staple a business card to a brochure and say, oh, yep, hey, you just think about it. And whenever you're ready, price ain't changing. You just come on back in. I mean, it makes you sound, number one, like you're not confident in your solution. And number two, you're just allowing that customer to live in perpetual indecision.
1: Yep. Well, you pay to get that customer in your door. That's the biggest thing that you have to know as a retailer. You're paying a lot of dollars to get that. You got a brick and mortar building. You got signage. You got trucks running up and down the road. You want to be able to, when that door swings open, those are your customers. You have them for 20, 30 minutes. You have to, you have to ask for the dollar.
0: Well, and that goes back to the point of we, generally speaking, don't value our customers the way that we should. I feel like you as a business owner have such an intuitive understanding of I've spent a ton of money in marketing. We gotta right. be faithful to the people that are coming in the door, and a lot of salespeople just say, "Ah, oh, they're just lucky lus, they're just kicking tires." They're not.
1: They are not. They are. They are. They came into your your place of business to buy a stove. Yep. You just have to do everything we just talked about and ask to get that deposit. And you know, the other thing is, I, I think when you're selling um, the trust part. You want to always talk about the product and you want to give all the safety features. You know, there's always a husband, there's always the wife, and the wife is going to be listening to those safety features. So it's, to me, it's important to always, you know, show that you care. Falco's cares about the product that we're selling you and it comes across really well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so it's funny. So your business, you know, started out in the nursery business and and Grant's now a fourth generation, you know, family uh, business owner. You're a third generation. Correct. And so, so you come in and you're, you're running this nursery business. I, I've heard stories from Dan Henry about convincing you to take on stoves. And he told me a story about like a 22-year-old or 23-year-old Louis Falco cutting holes in the roof to run vent pipe and a flashing through without your dad knowing about it. And your That's, dad, Joe Falco, right? Yes, He correct. was not happy. happy. No, he was not <laughs> happy about that. And I don't know if I did it right either. <laughs> well, I think it worked out for you. I, <laughs> it sure I, I, did. I think that there's something about you that has not been afraid to jump in and and take on new opportunity and honestly a little bit of risk. Uh, a, a little while ago, I was talking with a sales rep about you specifically and, and the words out of his mouth was, Luby's got a crystal ball and everything he touches turns to gold. And so as I've gotten to know you pretty well over, over the last 10 years, I feel like, you not only have an understanding of how to call a customer to action, but you have an understanding of how to call yourself to action. You've been able to make decisions very quickly without looking back and without fear. How, how have you been able to call yourself to action?
1: That's, uh, that's a hard one. I, I, everything I touch doesn't turn to gold. So let's get that <laughs> perfectly straight. That is not true. But, you know, all I want to do is I want to be able to try other things. Business changes, and you got to be able to change for that business. And I think that is the the reason that Falco's has went four generations. I believe that we've all made changes along the way, and I think that is probably the biggest part of our success: making changes and and seeing. you know what's out there and and what i'm meaning is my grandfather sold the first tv my dad sold a lot of different nursery stock and, yeah. and he was before the the mass merchant so he did a very successful business in that and then here i am selling hearth products today and grant is now selling you know mini splits and all other kinds of products that are out there so things change and you got to be able to change the business around that but you also need to know when things aren't going good when to drop and say, I'm out.
0: So that's where I want to go next too. So, so number one, you've been able to make decisions very quickly and confidently in a way that has grown your business like crazy, but also when to stop. And I think that that takes humility, number one, and some self-awareness. But I think that being able to do that also saves you tons of agony and pain and money on the back end. You know, what, what things are you looking for to decide? I got to pull the plug. I got to stop this. Um, it's, it, that's a hard one,
1: uh, Tim, but the biggest thing I do is, um, if I feel in my heart that, that the business, and I look at numbers and, and business, if I feel like I'm not making the margin that I need to be successful, then, and if I can see another way, another avenue that is going to be more successful, I will, Stop doing the, the one. And an example of that was power equipment way back in the day. I was making 18% margin selling Honda lawnmowers. You know, I all of a sudden stopped and jumped more into the hearth industry because I was getting a 40 margin. Sure. Why wouldn't you? So, you know, I, I didn't care if I had mechanics and I had to lay them off and, and, and eat a bunch of parts. I did. I just dropped it and went on. And, and I'm, I'm happy that I did.
0: Well, ultimately it was the right move for your family and for the business. Correct. I think there's a lot of pride that's tied up in that though. It's, it's hard to look at something that you maybe pioneered or took over and say, no, we're done. We're walking away. For me, it's easy. I don't have a problem with that. I, 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 I want to be
1: uh, able to navigate through the things that, that make a business work. And if you don't have the highest margin and you're and you're selling something that's less margin, Why would we be doing that? You know?
0: Yeah. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk has a quote. He says, never get romantic about the way you make your money. That's right.
1: That's exactly right. And I believe that's true.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, circling back around to calling to action on the sales side, I've had seasoned hearth professionals tell me that, that, you know, they've been in it for 15, 20 years. They still get nervous to bring up money. And I think if you drill down further, you know, the, the reason that they're afraid to bring up money is there's something inside of them that makes them feel like sales is bad or like they're taking advantage of a customer or they don't want to sell something. You you know, what would you say to someone who's in that situation where they're in a sales role and they're nervous about bringing up money?
1: Um, it's, I know it's very, very hard to ask for the money. And, and I understand that they have to get over that. I mean, I remember years ago I bought a I wanted to buy a Sea Ray boat and it was my very first Sea Ray boat. And I go to the dealership and this poor sales guy kept talking about the boat. Every time I'd go in there, we'd have a great conversation, but he never asked if I wanted to buy the boat. Yeah. I ended up buying a different boat <laughs> because he never he, it's like he didn't want my business. I and and I know that sounds crazy, but you need to ask because somebody else got my attention on a crown line boat yeah. and I ended up buying the crown line boat and he asked, let's make a deal. Wow. Let's do it today. And, and it just, it's just how my makeup is. And I think it's, uh, it's, it, you can do it too much and you can ask too sure. abruptly. sure. And that's what I'm, I don't want to come across that. That's what I do. I don't, I make it just as uh you know, calmly and, and just say, if you want to save money and you want to get on the installation, Today, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. And you're going to have to put five hundred dollars down, whatever it is, to to lock that in.
0: Yeah, you know. And I think about this. We we had a guy that worked for us for years named Pat Butson, and Pat was an amazing, amazing sales guy. And by the time he retired, he'd been in the industry for for forty plus years, and he was just not afraid to ask for the money. He had no fear of it. And and he would talk to a customer. He would he would just reestablish the trust and say, Hey, you know, I understand that this was your. situation of your house. We've talked through what you're after with the fireplace. This is the model that we've discussed. And we know that it's going to solve your problems. Now, the price is whatever the price is. And you'd say, and that's going to be available through the end of the weekend. I want to get this fireplace in your home. How do you feel about putting down a deposit today?
1: That's it. That's all it is right there. And
0: he would shut his mouth and he would say, at that point, the first person to talk loses. (laughs) Yep.
1: It's so true. It is absolutely so true. Yeah. You, you, just, c-
0: you call to action yep. and then
1: you shut your mouth. Yep. And just wait because it's coming. Yep. Yes. Let's do it.
0: Yep. Well, I was with him one time when he did that. We were in a customer's house and <laughs> the customer, they look at him and they say, well, how long is this proposal good for? And He pauses, looks at his watch and goes, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know that there's there's something to that. I, th- I think it's just I think it's really really important. And the truth is is that a consumer wants to be called to action. They really do. If they're if they're serious about the product, they know that they can say no. They know they can say no. Absolutely. You know, I, I go back to I think I told the story uh, last season in the podcast, but. I had a speaking engagement in Kansas City a number of months ago, and I forget what day of the week it is like a Thursday or a Friday. And I'm getting ready to fly out the next day. Me and my wife are watching Netflix downstairs, like 10 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, I hear this scratch, 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 scamper, scamper, scamper in the ceiling between our first and second floor. Mm. And we kind of look at each other, we hear it again, and we're like, oh, we got mice in between our first and second floor. So I'll tell you this, Jessica Reed was not excited <laughs> about me leaving for three days with her being in a house with you two young kids with mice in the house. So what do we do? We jump on the internet and we're trying to figure out, we're, you know, we're flying through websites, trying to, you know, rodent control, who can come out? And guess what? Now this is, this is a caveat to how your website should be run, but on the website, people had like three seconds. I need a button that says schedule now you know, book an appointment, get in touch. And, and literally if in three seconds, I couldn't find out how to do business with them. If, if they didn't call me to action right away, I'm hitting the back button. And like, yeah. I am trying to find somebody that can call me to action. Cause if, if I've got a problem and if your business is a solution, I want to be called to action.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So true.
0: Well, Louis, as we round out here, you have built one of the best retail showrooms in the country. I mean, I'm, I'm floored every time I go to Falco's and I'm, I'm, I'm excited later today, I'm going to get to spend some time there. So you build this amazing business and then you leave your son in charge of it. I mean, like you in a downturn, you fired yourself. You, That's did, true. you did. And, and I look at, you know, the investment that you've shown in me over the years from, I mean, we first met when I was in my early twenties before I even knew Grant, I knew you, you know, my family was able to spend some time with, with your family at the lake this year. and, the more that I get to know you and your family, the more I'm just amazed at your generosity towards the people that are around you. And I know that this is kind of getting off base a little bit from call to action, but I want to, I want to end the interview here. Why has that been so important to you over the years?
1: Well, um, Grant deserved to have the position. Um, you only have that uh, chance in life you know, once in, once in a while. So I felt like um, I could go do something else uh, retail was kind of getting you know, a little bit hard on me, you know, where I wasn't enjoying it as much. Mm-hmm. So I've got to enjoy what I do. And, uh, I felt like I have between Grant and my wife, Christy, uh, people that can run that company very, very well. And they have done an amazing job and, you know, it gives him a great start, and, you know, he's an ownership uh, owner now uh, in the business, and it gives me a way to get out. And and it gives me a retirement, too. Sure. You know, so it worked out really well. And with uh, Sherwood Industries, you know, I've been a long-term person where I've sold a lot of Enviro over the years, and it's been a great company to yeah. work for. And so it's just been a great thing. Great people, and, and uh, I love what I do. I just believe that uh, how you treat people, you know, that that is how you're going to be treated someday so you 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 need to take care of people that are especially your family but others as well you know friends and family so uh it's just how we are yeah you know
0: well louis you built a really really cool legacy and uh you know it's an honor to talk to you i think you brought a ton of value to the audience so thanks for coming on board today
1: thank you tim i appreciate it very much all right we'll see you later all right bye
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Louie. I mean, I'm just blown away every time I get to talk to him. He's someone, like I said at the beginning of the interview, whose career I followed for a long time, and it is really impressive how he's been able to build Falco's into just a monstrously successful company and then turn it over to his son and go out and tackle something else with Enviro. If you track his career, he's someone who has been able to call people to action, including himself. Now, as we dive deep into the call to action step, a couple of things I want to talk about. We referenced this a little bit in the conversation. Number one being, there's some salespeople that are afraid to call customers to action. I kind of joked around and said that we are in an industry that's full of decent information givers and really mediocre salespeople. And I think a lot of the time, when we're given information, it's safe and it's easy and there's no risk to it. When you call someone to action, there, there really is risk. I mean, they could say no, they could reject you, and a lot of salespeople kind of chicken out. And because of that, they lose. Their companies lose money, the salespeople lose commission dollars, and ultimately, customers are not happy and they are not satisfied. And and that's not what anyone wants. I mean, with the reason a customer comes into us is to buy a fireplace, and they ultimately know what we're doing. You know, when we're talking to them, the customer knows that we're trying to sell them a fireplace. And so the truth is, If they know we're trying to sell them a fireplace, if we've gone through the steps in the sales process to where we really feel like this actually is in their best interest, I mean, we really should call them to action. They can say no if they want, but it's up to us to at least give them the ability to make that decision. So the first thing that I'm going to do when we talk about call to action is I'm going to tip my hat to Donald Miller at StoryBrand. And he talks about when you call someone to action, you got to be confident, not creepy. And what happens a lot of the time is that when we talk to customers we might say oh yeah this fireplace is great it's going to help you out oh but but i don't want to put any pressure on you you know you can uh, you, you can just buy it whenever you want you know just take my card and and i don't you know again no pressure just w- whenever you want to do this it's always the same price it it doesn't matter when you buy it and we kind of backpedal and we think that doing that makes us low pressure but the truth is it actually kind of makes us sound not confident and, and kind of creepy, you know. It, it'd be like if you were going to go on a date with someone, and you were kind of hemming and hawing around it, being like, "Oh, well, do you you want to go on this date? I, well, I mean, but you, you don't you don't have to. I mean, I mean, I, I want you to kind of look around at other people and don't feel like you don't feel like you have to go on this date with me. But um, but if you want to, I'm, I'm right here. And but but we can do it anytime. There's no urgency to it. The point being that actually sounds really creepy. It it it's not confident at all and what you need to do after you've talked to your customer about their situation you've advised a solution you've made a plan for their success you got to be confident step up to the plate and say would you like to get started with whatever step one of the plan is so if step one of the plan is getting a written estimate you can say do you want to get started with a written estimate today just be super confident and ask for what you want if you do that man you're going to have a ton of success I think another thing when you call to action is you've got to affirm how this solves their problem. So you could recap back to, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I understand that your house has been cold and drafty for the last four years. As we've talked about this fireplace, it seems like it's going to be a really good solution for you. Now, the steps that we'd have to take would be, first, we'll get you a written proposal for that fireplace. Second, we'll come out to your house to do a safety double check, measure everything up, and just make sure that we've got all your questions answered. And third, we'll get that installed safely. If you can execute these three steps, your house is never going to be drafty again. What do you say we get started with that written estimate today? Be confident and show them how it solves their problem. Another thing with call to action here is that there is always a next step. And again, you're generally going to try and call to action on whatever the first step in the sales process was. So if the first step is a written estimate, that's what you're calling to action on. If the first step is coming out to their house, then that's what you're asking to do. now. Say that there are little ways down the process and the next thing to do is to ask for the money. Well, then you better ask for the money. But there's always a next step. And, and this goes into the fact that when you call a customer to action, if they say no, you want to figure out a way to call them to action on something else. So I actually did this today in our showroom. I was spending a little bit of time on the sales floor and I asked a customer if they wanted to schedule an in-home visit with us and they said oh no you know we're not we're not ready for that and uh, and and we'll let you know so it would it would have been easy to say okay perfect here's my card you just let me know but there's always a next step so what i did is i said hey that's no problem i understand that you don't want to get that scheduled yet can I get your email address because I'd love to send you over an estimate for what this costs because it can be kind of confusing when you get home, you've got all these brochures, and you don't know which estimate goes to which fireplace. What if I sent you the estimate for this so that way you've got it in one place with your brochures? And they ended up giving me their email address to do that. So what happened is I called them to action on the in-home visit. They said no. So I fell back a little bit and I called them to action on something that was a little bit less risk on their end, which was give me your email address and I'll send you over the estimate. There's always a next step. If a customer says no, they don't want to get their estimate, try to get a phone number. Say, well, can I circle back with you next week to talk about this? Maybe you want to say, hey, we actually just had a great fireplace that's almost exactly like the one that you're going to get installed last week. I'd love to email you a picture of what that is. You're always trying to do something to call the customer to action. And ultimately, if they say no... It's totally fine. You can, you can stop pursuing the opportunity. But it's really important that you are in some way, shape, or form are always calling the customer to action. And I think that sometimes people really get nervous about this. They feel like, well, I don't want to be a, a used car salesman. I'm, I'm not high pressure. I understand the heart of that, but we kind of have to get over it because the truth is we really sound not confident in our solutions and we kind of sound like we don't know what we're doing when we don't call the customer to action. We're actually just wasting their time. And I think what's really important is to remember that at the end of the day, sales is service. It, it really is. I mean, when I'm talking with a customer, I, I truly believe if I'm going to call them to action, I truly believe that this is the best solution for their scenario and if we believe that sales is service, it's really important to call them to action and again, there's no coercion here. If they don't want to buy, they can let you know, and that's perfectly their right and if they say no i'm I'm not ready for that estimate i, I I'm just here to look i mean I'll let you know when I'm ready, then absolutely respect that. But very often when we are in the middle of a difficult or a hard decision, which I would argue parting with you know five to ten thousand dollars for a fireplace that that is a hard decision. We need that little nudge to, to push us over the edge, even to do what we want to do. I mean, I, I think about this. Me and my wife bought a new car about four years ago, and we saved up for years to buy this car, like literally years. And, and it was like the biggest purchase that I've ever made outside of my house, and I was nervous. Now, I knew it was the right car for me. We did all the research. We knew it was the right car. We knew where we wanted to buy it from. We, we, we did our research, and it was what we wanted to do. And I'm sitting there in front of the guy, and I, I was still nervous. And And if he wouldn't have said, hey, Tim, I know this is a lot of money, but as we've talked about it, this is the right car for you and your family. What do you say we write this up today? If he wouldn't have said that, I, I don't know if I would have bought it. I, I might have put it off for a few more months and, and not gotten that vehicle. Our customers are the same way. And so it's up to us to gently, but confidently and directly Move them towards the point of a purchase. I I think that a good analogy too is like a doctor. You know, if a doctor has a prescription for you that, that really is going to make your life better or help you avoid some kind of catastrophe, The doctor really should call us to action in a very clear and very direct way. Now, I'm not saying that fireplaces are like medicine, but there's some cases where it it really is a life-changing solution for a customer, so we got to step in with confidence and ask for what we want. Now, asking for the money doesn't always mean literally the money, but it's whatever the next step in the process is. So... The first step in our customer plan is getting a written estimate. So if they don't have a written estimate yet, I'm going to give them a call to action that says, hey, how about we get this estimate written up today? Now, once they've got that estimate written up, guess what? There's always a next step. So I'm going to say, awesome, we got this estimate written up. What would be a good day for us to come out to your house to do a safety double check and just answer any remaining questions that you have? Now, If they say, ah, you know, we're not quite ready for that, no problem. I'll follow up with them in a week or so and see how they're doing. But you want to keep moving the customer down the field. So once you've accomplished step one of the plan, now it's time for call to action on step two. And then step two, which is us going out to the house, once we've completed that, that's when we really ask for the money. We say, perfect. You know, we wrote up the estimate. We came out to the house. This is going to be a perfect solution for you. Can we take a deposit and get this into our schedule? And you just ask with confidence. It's the way to do it. So with all that said, I hope that this conversation was good for you. Man, it was just amazing for me to get to hear the wisdom that Louis brought to the table. I'm telling you, he has done some amazing things in this industry and and truly is one of the best true salespeople I've ever met in my life so now that you know how to do it I hope that you can call your customers to action this week on whatever the next step in your plan is step up to the plate be confident and ask for what you want I know that you're going to be rewarded for it so with that in mind I'll see you next time on the Firetime Podcast I'm so excited that everybody here is listening and I am just stoked that this content is helping your company move the needle thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast to learn more